Hello, and welcome to the Marotska Method podcast. I am your host, Adrienne Jezik. Here we get to talk about our personal growth and the ways we can express our vulnerability through authenticity. I create a space for my guests to share their experiences with deliberate cold exposure, and we talk about changing our health and our lives to focus on wellness. I share my journey and yours, focusing on mental, emotional, and physical health. Together, we face the challenges of growth through discomfort. Join us as we biohack our way towards a better life. Welcome to the Morozko Method. I am your coach and your host, Adrian Jezik. I have a special guest with me here today, and I do I do always call my guests so special because they are. When I invite someone to share their story on this platform with me, it's because I am inspired by their journey. And I know that because I am inspired by their journey, you will be too. And my guest today is Sue Reagan Kennedy. She goes by at Camino Sue on Instagram. She also goes by Barefoot Sue. She's got a wonderful TikTok following. You guys really have to check out Sue on TikTok. She's just, she's a barrel of laughs. And one of those people that as soon as I see her pop in, up into my feed, I instantly feel better. I instantly have that, oh, it's Sue. And I've never met her. And the beauty is I've been talking to her now for less than 10 minutes before starting this podcast, and I already know we have so much to talk about. Sue, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you so much, fellow ice goddess. I'm really excited to be a part of your uh, of your journey. Thank you. Thank you. Um so, so Sue and I, Sue and I have been kind of following each other for a while now on Instagram. And you guys have heard me talk a lot about Instagram and the ways that we, we can connect to like-minded people. It's one of those beautiful platforms that you're drawn together based on your interests. And one of the things that I love about Sue is she's year round jumping into the lake. Sue, where do you live? Paint us a picture for the for the listeners at home. Sure. I live about two hours directly north of Toronto. I'm actually from Toronto, born and raised, but purchased a cottage, oh, some 30 years ago and ended up leaving the city about 20 years ago and moved up here because I just couldn't take the noise in the city anymore. I wanted to be around nature. I wanted to hear birds and waves and the wind and um, just be more connected. So I live on a lake that's connected um, to a waterway system that goes all the way out to the Atlantic Ocean. So I always say to people, when you're swimming in the lake, you're actually swimming in the ocean because at some point the waters mix. Uh, it's a beautiful place. There are a lot of cottages, so people who come up just in the summer and not necessarily all year round. And I live, um, it's about a five-minute drive to a beautiful forest in uh, Muskoka, the area is called. And that's where I like to walk barefoot or run barefoot or play in the forest barefoot. So I'm surrounded by nature, and I live in a in a cottage, actually, that's about 110 years old. And although it's been updated, it has a lot of the old charm and, and character of a, a, a true Canadian northern cottage. That sounds so idyllic. What is the <laughs> name of the lake? I love the name of this lake. Oh, yeah, it's called Lake Kuchiching. I love that. Yeah, I live very close to a First Nations reserve, and when we first moved up here, we first bought the property, we were told that the word Kuchiching means lake of many winds, um, so it is very windy here. That is so beautiful, and when you first moved up there 30 years ago, were you immediately drawn to the water? Were you immediately like, I'm going to be in there 365, I'm going in whether it's cold or whatever? I mean, I'm a Pisces, so I'm a water person anyway. I love water. I love swimming. I love being in the water. But 
are you kidding? Like Thanksgiving weekend, maybe Thanksgiving weekend here is the beginning of October, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe I would go in for my last dip, but that would be like on a dare. Uh, and of course, we would open up the cottage on May 24th weekend, and it you know it was a big deal if I jumped in the water on May 24th. So uh, no, 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 I, I had no intention of of using the lake year round as a place <laughs> to immerse myself in water. <laughs> so, what was your first inclination to do that? What was the inspiration that was like? All right, let's give it a whirl. It actually had more to do with barefooting because if I go back, I walked a medieval pilgrimage route called the Camino in Spain. Uh, It was actually 20 years ago. I walked it and I walked 500 miles. I went alone in the winter. And at that time I was wearing boots, okay, and, and regular like hiking gear. When I came back from that journey, I had really had the opportunity to slow my life down and think about what was important in life. But one of the things that I actually tacked into on that walk was nature. And when I came home, I realized how much I longed for more nature. And that's why I came home from the Camino and heard all the noise in the city, the traffic, just the general noise. And I couldn't live there anymore. So I came up here. You know, every week I would go up to the forest like two, three, four times a week. And I would walk in the forest with my big hiking boots, you know, tromping along and having a great old time and thinking that I was really closely connected with nature. Mm -hmm. But something was missing. And it was actually, I've been barefooting for 10 years now. So 10 years ago in August, um, I was in the forest. And what started to happen was um, I was receiving messages. And they would just be kind of like dropped into my mind. And I just know the message. And the very first one I, I got was prepare to receive and so I, I thought, well, maybe I should open up a bank account because, you know, yeah, you're like, I'm ready. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. Um, um, but no, over time, I started to understand, oh, I was going to receive knowledge and wisdom. And it, this wisdom was coming from the forest and from nature. And then I got another message that was a lot longer. And it was uh, bring people back to the forest. And I thought about it a lot. I thought, how am I going to bring people back to the forest? Am I going to, you know, become a forest guide or, you know, something like that? But no, I came home from a walk and I went down to the water. I lived uh, on the water. There's rock and it's Precambrian Shield. So it's the very beginning of the Precambrian Shield. It goes all the way out to the Rockies and, you know, like goes straight west and I sat on the rock and something called to me to take my socks and shoes off and put my bare feet on the rock I sat there with my bare feet on the rock and this surge of energy went right through every chakra in my body it was like a kundalini energy that shot out my crown chakra and I just looked out onto the lake and raised my arms up and I started to laugh out loud because It was so clear to me that I was meant to be barefoot, that the only way that I could receive what I was to receive was if I could connect my bare souls to the earth. So I I got up and went for a little walk and, you know, tried to walk down my driveway, which is, you know, limestone gravel, and I could barely walk. And I thought, well, there's no way I'm going to be able to do this. But sure enough, every day I went out. And over time, I became more and more adapted to the environment that I was walking on. Then I started walking in the forest, and I loved being on the mud, on the moss, on the roots, everything. And then, of course, you know, winter came. It got colder and colder, and I just kept staying barefoot. So the first time it snowed, I remember just, like, standing inside the cottage here and looking out and thinking oh I'm not going to be able to go barefooting anymore and then I thought well why not (laughs) went outside (laughs) jumped around in the snow it was it was only a little bit of snow but I jumped around in it and I felt this incredible sensation of cold and it, it just energized me and gave me 
a new perspective about nature and about life and and that was the beginning of my barefoot journey and I will never go back to shoes that (laughs) is so beautiful and and it's almost like you know like you said when you put your feet on those stones when you put your feet on that rock and you felt that surge of energy it was like you'd finally removed that layer that was standing between you and the energy of nature by taking your socks and shoes off and getting that full total connection to nature and when you say that you're receiving messages that resonates with me because I think as we become more in tune to our bodies and our bodies become more in tune to nature these messages are all around us all around us and it's just a matter of us being open to receiving them and hearing them because a lot of times they're back there they're nagging they're trying to tell us something and we're so busy we're so distracted like you said the noise of the city and and the lights and the people and the energy and the buzz it's okay to just disconnect and reconnect to nature yeah what would you it really is it was like it was like lifting a veil that was stopping me from being truly connected to even if we go as far as oneness you know, in the beginning, I didn't really understand oneness. I, I thought I did. But over time, the more I connected myself to the earth and grounded myself, the, the more I felt that connection to the oneness of the world, but then beyond to the universe. Because you go deeper. And I yeah. think it's like a practice. You know, so you continue to practice, you continue to go deeper, you can, you continue to get a deeper understanding of the self. And that is such a beautiful way to do that is to connect with nature. And there's another gentleman that I follow on Instagram. He is swimming in miracles. His name's Dean Hall. And he, uh, Mm -hmm. he spends one night every week in the woods with nothing with him, just the clothes on his back. He lays in the river for a while and then he sleeps on the forest floor and then goes back into the world on Monday. And he does that every single Sunday night because he knows it gives him a total grounded reset. Yeah. I think that is. Well, and if we think of our ancestors, I mean, we didn't sleep, you know, we didn't sleep on beds. We didn't sleep on mats. We slept on the ground. We were connected with nature. I mean, we are mammals. So if we think about going back to our true nature, uh, and I'm, I'm not saying that, you know, I don't want to sleep on the ground every night. That's not something, you know, that I'm, that I'm suggesting, but, but to integrate some aspect of actually connecting with the ground, with our bare feet, our bare hands, our bare legs even or our head or some part of our body connecting to the ground there's no question we're going to have some benefit from that that makes a lot of sense to me I I've lived in Phoenix now for 16 years maybe even 17 at this point and this is the biggest city I've ever lived in I grew up in Florida I lived in Hawaii I was always coastal was always very much out in nature and even though Phoenix isn't your typical big city it's vast miles square miles of concrete everywhere you look concrete 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 and when COVID started and we were all sort of a little less out and about and a little more confined I started having house plants and I noticed that the different times of the day when the sun hits them and the soil starts to warm up and I smell that soil it's an immediate mood booster Or if I'm replanting my plants and repotting them to put them in different pots or bigger pots or, you know, whatever, putting my hands in that dirt, like I cannot wear gloves. I I have to get my hands all the way in the dirt. I have to feel it. I have to massage the roots open for the new soil, you know, to be received. And it's, it's a whole process, I think, of grounding in a way that I'm not doing it outside. I I cannot walk out my barefoot, uh, my backyard barefoot because it's currently an ice bath production facility. Um, So I miss that. I miss that connection to the earth. And this is a small way I think that I can get it in a city where, you know, I'm not in the middle of the forest or anything, but I can definitely still connect to the earth. And I feel different. I feel different when I'm in my room with the plants and I see them 
all around and now I've brought them into almost every room in the house. And so every time I walk into the room, it's the first thing I notice is the nature that I've brought inside. And it makes me feel so good. What, what would you say were some of the, did you have any major physical or mental changes when you started barefooting? Oh, I, I had so many and to distill it down to, you know, one or two, right off the bat, I started to think of how I felt about fear that I didn't know. I didn't realize that I was living a lot of my life in fear and, and this is not I mean we're not talking about trauma fear or you know really serious fear but rather the fear of being injured the fear of being cold the fear of somebody seeing my feet the fear of looking unusual the the fear of you know everybody asks me aren't you afraid of stepping on glass well, in the beginning, the fear of stepping on glass, the fear of stepping on a rusty nail. When we think about it, we every time we put our shoes on, you know, there's some conditioning there. When we were young, my mom would let us go barefoot in the city, which is really unusual. But still, I was socialized and conditioned, you know, to wear shoes because I was going to get hurt. I was going to, mm-hmm. like, step on glass. I was something was going to happen to me. So what I noticed, especially in that first year, was that, Every time I had to actually move my shoes from the from the front door so that I didn't see them when I went out because it was such a habit that I would just put my shoes on and get outside and go, oh, my gosh, I'm wearing shoes. I, what and am you, I doing? And and you have, have to, to go back in and take them off. <laughs> and then I started to realize every time I went to put my shoes on, it was because I was afraid something was going to happen. And this conditioning of being afraid of driving barefoot, afraid of uh, stepping on something, uh, all these fears. And, and I couldn't believe all that conditioning that I was carrying around. So to be able to let that go and not live in fear, but rather live in a state where I felt like I had some control over what I was doing. When I walk barefoot, I look where I'm going. When I wore shoes, I never looked where I was going. I was more likely to step on if I could find a rusty nail, but step on a rusty nail in shoes than I would in my bare feet because I wasn't looking where I was going in shoes. So I I loved the fact that I could sort of uncondition all of these tiny, itsy-bitsy little fears that I had and begin to live freely and not afraid which I think is almost the opposite of what most people would think. You, you know, you would think a barefooter would be constantly living in fear of hurting themselves. It's the reverse because um, most people don't know we have over 200,000 sensory receptors on the sole of each foot, and they have a job. Their job is to tell our brain the environment that the body is in so that the the brain can then, you know, orchestrate, you know, the entire body really to respond to that. And a really good example um, that I like to use is, is again, something that I discovered in in that first year of barefooting. And I discovered that there were times when I would, was about to say, stub my toe on a, on a big rock, if Mm -hmm. I didn't see it, or a, Maybe it was a smaller, maybe it was a root in the forest. And I was about to stub my toe and all of a sudden my foot would move over, but I hadn't done anything. So what happened was the receptors from the soles of my feet had sent a message to my brain to tell my brain what the environment was that I was walking in, that I was in the forest and in the forest it was already quote pre-programmed in my brain from previous barefooting that you know it's uneven it's undulating there are roots there are rocks there are all kinds of things that my feet had to be super responsive in the forest but I didn't have to orchestrate any of that I didn't have to think about it and honestly I'm kind of a lazy person like if I don't have to think about something then I'm okay letting some other somebody else or some other part of my body do the thinking for me so sure enough 
I discovered that my feet could do all the thinking for me and that they were designed to actually keep me safe and to keep me out of danger. And I think it's one of the most powerful surprises about barefootings. I had no idea uh, just what my feet were designed to do for me. Or what they were capable of. Or what they're capable of, exactly. And then somebody told me one time that there's there's a man in Toronto. I, I, I've never looked him up, but I, I really should. There's a man in Toronto, and what he does is if he can um, train a child under the age of seven who is blind, if he can get them before they go to the Canadian National Institute for the Blind School where they teach them you know, all the, all the life skills that they need to live, if he can catch them before they go to that school, he'll teach them just by being barefoot how to live and move around and be able to adapt to any environment if he can um, allow them to understand the, you know, just the power of their feet and, and what their feet can do for them because they become, your feet become like another set of eyes or an, that, another sense. I yeah, say. that makes so much sense to me. I literally jot down the word Braille because as you're talking, I'm thinking this is like Braille. This, you know, our fingers, yeah. our hands you know, you touch you touch the bunts of Braille and you don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense. But when, when those senses are heightened, then it becomes a whole new world of sensory exploration. And when you were talking about that your brain knew to move your foot out of the like way the of the room. Your... It it's foot braille. Yeah. It's foot braille. That's it. I love that. That's exactly what it sounds. And as you're talking yeah. about it, and then you naturally went into the conversation about the guy in Toronto teaching um, young children who are blind. It makes perfect sense. Our bodies are these incredible, incredible vessels, and they can do so many things. And we don't know the half of it because we don't put them to the test. And the test isn't well, I walked right. outside to my get my mail, and it was hot on the pavement, and so I never did that again. It's not a one-time test. It's mm-hmm. a conditioning, right? So the same way you build up yeah. muscles. You don't go to the gym and lift a bunch of weights one time, and then boom, you have muscles. It's a progress. And as you build those muscles, you, be, you become stronger. Your body becomes more aware. You start to develop a physical muscle memory. All of these things happen mm-hmm. on so many different levels of our body, and we don't even know the half of it. We don't. And we don't even know that we can trust in our feet to take care of us, that our feet know how to adapt. And I think that just, like for me, it was gaining the trust that if I was on warm a warm surface, then my feet would adapt to that. If it was really cold... Like that first winter, I discovered that I could go out and stay longer and longer and longer in the snow. And it was because now those receptors were identifying, oh, okay, we're in freezing cold snow. We have to do something different here. We need to make sure that the core body is warm. Is the heart warm? Are all the major organs warm? If they're all warm, then fine, we'll send warm blood to the feet. But we're not going to do that until we know the core body is warm because we want to keep that, and the brain, of course, we want to keep that person alive. So I could you know, start to follow how long it took for my feet to figure out, like in minutes, you know, to figure out what they needed to do. And then I would go out in the snow and come inside and then my feet would be would get warm and then they'd get warmer and warmer. They would actually even look a little bit pink and they would be if I put my hands on my feet after I'd been out in the snow, then my feet were hot to the touch. Because my brain was saying, okay, let's really warm up those feet. We've been out in the cold. we got to be ready for next round. So I often say to people, you know, that because they'll say to me, I can't barefoot in the snow because I have cold feet. My feet are cold all the time. I'll you're like, I know say, the well, answer for that. Your feet are cold. <laughs> <laughs> I know just how to warm them up. Let's cold. take a walk in some snow. <laughs> yeah. I say that to people when it comes to ice baths. Because, again, I grew up in Florida. I lived in Hawaii. Phoenix summers are my favorite. And I used to just get angry at anything below 70 degrees. Emotionally, I could not handle that that body temperature change. 
And now, through my practice, I'm three years into my practice, now I start talking about ice baths. And just even now in this conversation with you, my neck starts to warm up. My back starts to warm up. I can feel my brown fat activating because it's like, Adrian's talking about ice baths again. We must be getting ready to get in an ice bath. Let's prepare the body for an ice bath. I haven't even done anything. And I'm sitting here going like, all right, it's a little toasty. I'm getting warm. I know what I'm talking about. And it happens every time. It happens every time I have a conversation with someone about the cold. And so what I've discovered is that my brain now understands the process to put my body through to warm itself up without shivering. So if I am in a position, maybe I'm out, you know, to eat at a restaurant and it's cold, you know, because in Arizona, it'll be 120 outside, but it'll be 65 inside. And so that drastic drop will affect anyone. And uh, I'll sit there for a minute and I'll start thinking about it. And as soon as I start thinking about it, that wave of warmth, it's almost like liquid warmth just pouring over the body. And if I'm not careful, I'll start sweating. (laughs) It's like, okay, well, now I really need an ice bath because I have to counteract some of this. So when, when, how, how long with your barefooting did it take before you said cold water, before you were like, all right, let's, let's dip the toes into the water. Well, because I live on a lake and at the shore, it's relatively shallow in the spring. Obviously it's a bit deeper, but in the fall, it would be maybe about six inches deep right at the shore, but then it would move up to my knee. So um, what I started doing was I I would go for a barefoot walk, and in the summer, I would just come back home and go down to the water, put my feet in the water, wash my feet off, or if I was anywhere, you know, I'd just come home instead of going in the in the house and the cottage and washing my feet, I would wash them in the, in the lake. Because it just feels so, so good. Of course, the lake got, <laughs> it does feel so good, and it's right there. And of course, they got colder and colder, but I would still go in the lake. And then I started walking around in the lake and I would lift my foot up out of the water because it was so cold and then let it warm up a bit and then put it back down again, lift the other foot up and, and do this. Then one day I posted that I was doing this on Facebook and this woman that I met a long time ago at the airport in Madrid when I was on my way to a on a Camino, um, she wrote to me and she said, Sue, do you know what you're doing has a name? It's called kniping. And I said, no, I, I just naturally did it. She said, well, Dr. Knipe was the first naturopathic doctor, and he has a whole series of um, hydrotherapies that he does, and one of them in particular with cold water is kniping, and you, you basically do exactly what I was doing. And that way the blood vessels vasoconstrict and vasodilate, and you get this wonderful flushing of the system. And uh, anyway, that's what started me with that sounds with, um, the amazing. Cold, cold water. I know. And the thing is, I became adapted to cold water, but I still wouldn't put my body in, only my feet. But eventually you did. Yes, eventually I did. What happened was um, I was on several Facebook groups, uh, barefooting groups, um, and this man, I didn't really know him very well, but he was, he was on one of the groups and he wrote to me and sent me a picture and he said, Hey Sue, there's this crazy guy in Holland who barefoots in the snow, just like you. And, um, I mean, it's not very often that people show a picture of Wim Hof and say that Wim Hof is doing something that I'm doing just like right. you. Um, anyway, it was, a, it, was a, it was a picture of Wim Hof in, in the snow, you know, and I thought, Oh, well, that's interesting. Well, maybe I'll, you know, I'll Google him obviously and take a look and see what he's about. And sure enough, um, you know, a whole other world of understanding the cold and the whole Wim Hof method opened up in front of me. And I absolutely had to, but there was no question. I had to know more about this because I realized that even though I hadn't put my body in cold water that I longed to do that I was I was actually craving that but I just didn't know you know that I could do it sort of you know I didn't know how to go about doing it or 
I didn't have anyone in my life that could expose me to that experience and, and right. until I met Wim Hof. And yeah, and, and doing it on your own, especially in the beginning or for your first time, that can be very daunting. You know, you just think right away, well, what if I die? You know? I mean, I don't know about yeah. you, but that was, that was yes, my first thought. I was like, well, what if I die? <laughs> what, you know, what if I'm in here in the ice yeah. and, and my body freezes and I can't move and I can't get out? And in, in all of the plunges that I've coached, I think that is the number one question. What if I die? What if I get in there and I can't yeah. get out? And what I like to tell people is whether you realize it or not, you're not in control. You will get out if yeah. you need to get out. And I've had people who go all the way in and they do a full submerge. And then before they know it, they're out of the tub and they're looking at me and it hasn't been two minutes and they're going, wait, what just happened? And I was like, well, you were going to take an ice bath and you decided not to. So you got out. I don't remember that. All I remember is I was in and now I'm out. And I'm like, yeah, that's fight or flight. Cool, huh? <laughs> we, yeah, we are not true. always in charge uh, of these bodies. Our bodies are designed to keep us strong, keep us safe, keep us healthy. And we have a choice. We can facilitate those things or we can impede those things, right? So, so what was your first full body submersion like did you just go meet whim and take a workshop and just do it or, or what did you do I'm, I'm i'm all i'm on the edge of my seat here <laughs> well what i did is kind of extreme okay i decided when i got on the website i found out about the winter experience that he had in poland and like i didn't know about the vice documentary and that there had been this whole research project done and so i didn't search that far i just saw poland okay i could go in december this was 2016 i contacted them and they actually had booked the excursion it was all it was fully booked but they put me on a waiting list and i happened to be in europe because i was uh, walking the camino again at that time with a group and they contacted me about, I think it was 10 days or two weeks before the course started. And I said, absolutely, I'm in Europe. I'll pop over and I'll be there. So I arrived and there were, you know, 60 people and 54 of them were men. Uh, mm -hmm. There were six women. Mm -hmm. And everybody talked about the Vice documentary, which I didn't, like I said, I knew nothing about. But I, I did the, the five days and, of course, on the first day. We went into that river, and it was, you know, mighty cold, and there was snow all around and the waterfalls behind us, and as a group, we all went in and, you know, walked in, made a circle. So we have no idea how long we were in there for, because it was Yeah, Wim's not um, timing you. No, Wim wasn't <laughs> timing us at all. No, no, no. And he had he's other just instructors in it. There and <laughs> <laughs> they were, yeah, he's totally in it. And uh, so I climbed Mount Snezna and did that in a snowstorm. And it went down to minus 20 Celsius and 80 kilometer an hour winds. So it was a full immersion into just an unbelievable experience that changed my world. From that week on, I was 100% committed to becoming an instructor and to teaching actually more women about Wim Hof because... Yeah. It's really targeted to men. And that's why I'm really happy, too, to be on your podcast as well, because it's nice to have a podcast with a woman. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A, lot of the, this, a lot of them are, you know, are men. And we yeah. love men, but I just like to hear a woman's story, too. Yeah. You know, it's all about balance. And, and I noticed that. I noticed mm -hmm. that I'm, I am in a male-dominated industry. And it's also, you know, a lot of people consider uh, deliberate cold exposure as kind of an extreme sport. And I think that men tend to go towards those, you know, sort of extreme sports. So I'm not usually surprised when someone is thrilled that there's there's a woman on the other end of the line or, you know, something like that. But the majority of clients that I have for coaching are actually women. But that's probably because women are more likely to, you know, reach out to women. So I'm, I'm a woman. I'm a deliberate cold exposure coach as a woman. And so women reach out. I also have healed myself of some common feminine ailments. Um, Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Oh. I had three autoimmune diseases one of them being Hashimoto's thyroiditis. It's very rare now that I meet a woman 
who has not had some sort of thyroid issue, not always autoimmune related, but typically women go through such hormonal shifts, especially as we've had, you know, synthetic hormones being pumped into our bodies for birth control and things like that. So I'm not surprised that women tend to reach out. I am surprised that this is still such a male dominated realm. And I love Uh seeing that more women are coming up and more women are sharing their stories and becoming coaches and helping people. There's another woman on Instagram under the handle Sudaprem, S-U-D-A-P-R-E-M. I think I'm getting that right. Sudaprem. And she's on my list. She's definitely on my list. It's incredible to see women leading groups of people through this experience. And for me, it's all about the healing. It's all about what are you working on? Mental, emotional, physical. It's all tied. It's all connected. We're all fully connected. Whatever we're working on emotionally, if we're not addressing it, our body will let us know in a physical way. So when we're doing our deliberate cold exposure, we're healing our minds. We're healing our emotions. We're healing ourselves physically. And I think that people are starting to really catch on to that. So, you know, you've got the men that, you know, tend to go more towards the competition and you know trying the extreme things and I think that women are seeking it out for healing and now I'm seeing another shift and this is just over the last I'd say few months you know considering the state of affairs in the world right now men are now coming to me for the healing the same way that the women have and beautiful yeah it's it's deep it, it gets you on levels. It, the cold has a way of seeking out the healing that you need, whether that's physical, mental, or emotional. And I've had people who will take an ice bath and they get out and they just break down sobbing. It's such a cathartic yeah. release. And the healing begins. That's where the healing begins. And you don't even have to know where the healing needs to take place when you step into the cold water. And I had, it's far too long a story, but during that five days in Poland, I had an experience where I released trauma that I didn't know I had. And it was trauma from the birth of my first child, who was 36 years old at the time. So I had been holding that trauma for 36 years without even being aware that it was there and your body Um, carries that yeah as a physical muscle memory yes and I released it so that's another thing that I think you know with women is we you know the women who go through childbirth often um, you know nobody talks about or even Gives a, maybe today there's more advice. I, I would say there probably is, but in the 80s, uh, you know, nobody wanted to talk about the actual childbirth except maybe your, you know, a couple of your girlfriends. But if you had anything negative that happened, it was really frowned upon to talk about it because you know you have a perfectly healthy baby. If you did, if I did, in my case, I did. I should be happy. You know, I should just deal with that on my own and be happy, which I was. But I. But I buried the trauma and, you know, it it had to come out. So the cold is a great releaser of trauma. And as you said, healing in many different ways. That makes a lot of sense to me because in birth, and I have not birthed my own babies. I have two babies from another mother, so I'm grateful for her. And she did, with her four children, she did all at-home water births. So this woman, I just can't even, oh. she's, she's just incredible. My baby mama is a wonderful baby mama. <laughs> um, <laughs> but even the most positive birth experience is still trauma. It's still incredibly traumatic. And, and, that, and you're right, it was taboo to talk about. It was taboo to talk about, you know, if something went wrong for you, you didn't want to share that openly because you didn't want to place the fear into someone else is the way that, that it too. was explained yes. to me. Yeah. Or or the woman who had, you know, five children and all five were born in less than 90 minutes and she barely made it to the hospital with a push and a half. And she doesn't want to share her story <laughs> because she doesn't want other women to feel bad about their story being any more difficult. You know, so there's a yes. lot of shame, I think, around what our bodies go through. And I'm starting to see that shame in men too, when it comes to prostate health. 
a lot of men don't get their first prostate check until they're 50. And by then, it's oftentimes too late. You're already going through something. And they Mm -hmm. don't talk about it. At least as women, like you said, you know, you get together with your girlfriends, you might chat a little bit. Men are not as likely to talk about, hey, I've got this funny thing happening when I pee. I wonder if that's a problem, (laughs) you know, and, and yes. And one of the things deliberate cold exposure does for prostate health is it's all circulatory. It's all about increasing that vascular circulation and building up the vascular system. And I want to see that talked about more too. All of the things that are taboo, I want to see people starting to bring it to light. This was traumatic. This was difficult. And these are the ways that barefoot grounding or deliberate cold exposure or fasting, intermittent and extended fasting has changed my life and helped me as an emotionally regulated individual yeah absolutely as I said it's a longer story I I have written a manuscript um, to really talk about that whole week in Poland and the experience that I had particularly around the birthing trauma Um, but I, I haven't been working on it for about a year so with writing, I have to be in the moment and feel it and, you know, uh, be motivated to continue writing. And right now I've I've just been asked to be still and let things settle before I go back into it. But I really hope to share that with other women one day and and help to open up the conversation about childbirth or, or whatever contribution you have or whatever experience you have around childbirth. Mm-hmm. That you know we can we can talk about it more and and understand it better and help each other. Yeah, not, and again, not feel shamed. Not feel shamed because our journey yeah. was different, was good, was bad, was you know we processed it differently. And and I think that's the other thing too. We all process trauma differently. You know, what we look back on our childhood or traumatic experiences and take from those, the people that were around us at the time, sometimes they're like, I have no idea what you're even talking about. You know, like you ever talk to your siblings and you're like, you remember that time? And they're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. This isn't fair. Why do I have to carry this with me? You know, well, I guess I don't. You know, that also, too, is my choice. Um, But yeah, like Mm -hmm. trauma... Trauma processing, and I think that the closer that we get to nature and the closer that we get to ways that we can connect to nature, the closer we get to the true natural self. And then we do become open to those messages and receiving those messages. And, I mean, think about it. Earth, water, wind, fire. These are the things that make life. Yeah, they are life. They're mm-hmm. absolutely life. And um, and the sooner that we can, as I said, you know, trust in our bodies, trust in our brains, trust in our, in the way that we've been designed, we're designed to look after ourselves. You know, we're designed to heal ourselves. We can't always do it. I mean, there are times when, you know, medical science or, you know, we contribute to that in, in whatever way, whether it's, you know, diet or, uh, or cold plunges or, you know. But also um, what I discovered in nature was this idea of really getting out of the way. And instead of stepping in and thinking that I know the answer to absolutely everything that's going on in my body or I can research it, to move out of the way, to use the cold and use my breath and my willpower to get out of the way and allow the natural way to come through and to assist that natural way but to allow it to come through i had years and years ago i used to row competitively as a master's rower i had a coach and one day you know he said to me said you know sue the problem with rowers is they slow the boat down I don't know if you've ever rowed, but I, I think it is the most difficult sport I've ever done in my life. Your feet are strapped into the bottom of the boat. There, you know, you're with eight people, and and you're not allowed to stop. Like if if you're in the middle of a race and you pull a muscle, you you can't like put your hand up and say time out. Um, I can't go any further. Yeah, your oars are all synced with everyone else's oars. Yeah. 
oh yeah there's no stopping you know it's an it's an incredible sport but it's very very challenging and I said Paul what are you talking about I said we're the ones that are moving the boat and he said oh no he said you see that boat over there and he pointed to this beautiful Italian boat that we that was in the club and he said now that boat has been designed to go way faster than any of you can row it he said, the problem is you think that you know when to put the oar in the water, when to pull on the oar, when to lift it out of the water. But actually, if you completely, if you all surrendered to the boat and allowed the boat and the water to tell you how to move the boat fast, you would move way faster than you could ever possibly imagine. And he ended up taking a group of eight women I was selected as one of them and he he dismantled kind of over a weekend he dismantled our stroke our rowing stroke and then he put it back together as a group with these eight women and in the end we were rowing as one so we were one with the boat and uh, he took us to the uh, world masters rowing championships which were held in Montreal that year and we ended up winning a gold medal because we 100% surrendered to the boat. Like wow. we were the engine. We knew what we were doing. Each seat has its own role. We knew what we had to do. But at the same time, it was this powerful surrendering and getting out of the way of trying to command or take control of what the water wanted to do. Wanted you had to do, to do less and, to achieve more. Yeah, exactly which is kind of like a cold plunge, right? Yeah. You do less to achieve more. Yeah. That's, that's something that I'm, I'm taking voice lessons right now, and that's something true in singing as well. A lot of times when, is you it? know, yeah, when you hear, you know, your favorite rock star really belting it out, you think, wow, that energy. And, you know, <laughs> if you're in the shower or in the car and you're, you're doing it along with them and you're putting all this air and all this breath and all this energy, it's often strained. And we can feel the muscles of our throat tightening up. And believe it or not, that's activating our sympathetic nervous response. It's yeah. activating fight or flight. When in actuality, when we back off, and we do a little less breath, but a little bit more intentionally, you get a more powerful sound, a more clear sound, and you're not expending so much energy trying to do it. And that yeah. blows my mind. Yeah. The parallels between learning to properly sing and deliberate cold exposure, it blows my mind. It blew From my very first assessment, I was like, I am clearly in the right place. <laughs> you're talking about parasympathetic <laughs> nervous system. You're talking about fight or flight. I am in the right place. Yeah. Yeah. And when you get into the cold water, you know, if when I'm teaching or when I'm going in myself, you know, the first thing I think about is absolute surrender, mm -hmm. just surrendering to the cold and moving into the water and allowing it to teach me. You know, when Mother Nature said to me, prepare to receive, mm -hmm. I got in the cold water and went, okay, this is this is preparing to receive. I've prepared and I'm here receiving. If we can surrender to that level and receive the lessons and the teachings from the ice water without resisting it, yes, there's a whole bunch of physiological things that happen and they're all very, very important. Mm -hmm. But it's the first step is being able to surrender to that to that wisdom and allow it allow it to do its magic, really. <laughs> yeah, not not fighting it, not fighting it. And I and to yeah. this day, when I stand in front of the ice bath there, I'm I'm hesitant. I feel a little bit of anxiety and I just change my mind. This is what I'm doing. And for yeah. me, once I'm in, I'm in. You know, it's that getting in yeah. is the hardest part. Like just that first step is the hardest part. But just like barefoot grounding, deliberate cold exposure puts it all back. It really restores and revitalizes. When I hear people say, oh, I just don't have the energy to go sit out in nature and watch the sunset, or I just don't have it in me today to take an ice bath. I'm so depleted. It's like, well, if you want to put some of that back, this is how you do it. You walk barefoot on the yeah. earth outside. You sit in freezing cold water. It's the most passive form of therapy you can possibly do. <laughs> and they're both the same in the sense that once you start barefooting, 
I, like, I realized that later on, I, I got another message from Mother Nature, I would say, and, and like the message wasn't as a few words it was more like a feeling like don't worry just bring them to the forest and then I'll take care of them Mm. and I started to understand that what had happened to me was once I started barefooting in the forest and when I say forest I mean it could be a park it could be your backyard it's yeah anywhere with some ground outside oh yeah just nature you know bring back to nature and as soon as I you know, was in the forest after I did it a few times, you know, stubbed my toe a few times, you know, cut my foot, you know, whatever. I had my fair share of early minor, minor injuries. But once I got over that and I started to really understand, well, I didn't, my feet started to understand how to respond, then it just became not something that I had to think about, oh, today I've got to go for my barefoot run in the forest or, you know, I've got to go and do 20 minutes of barefoot walking every single day to keep up with it. That all disappeared. There's no more planning, even setting goals. It just kind of disappeared because I was being called back again and again. And when we first started talking before you actually recorded the call, we were talking about this idea of you know, I said that I crave the cold, but, you know, not in a negative way, not like, um, not obsessive. It's not obsessive. It's not, it's so pure and natural. It's like my brain and my body is saying, okay, we're ready. We're ready. Take us into the cold and we're going to, you know, we're going to send you some happy hormones and mm-hmm. you know, we're going to get your cardiovascular system working. And oh boy, we're so excited. We're going to vasoconstrict and vasodilate. And <laughs> it becomes like, I'm sorry, I'm getting really excited, but it's like a, like an orchestra. Your whole body starts to react in and sing in harmony. Place. No, you're, I love the excitement. It's so true. Your body starts to truly yeah. sing in harmony with itself and with the universe around it. And when we let it do that, it gets so excited and happy. And I'm saying, like, I think it's my brain that gets excited and happy. But I also think, you know, for years and years, I've been talking to the cells in my body since when I was rowing, I would talk to the, the cells in my body, I would talk to my muscles, I would say, okay, here we go, we're going to go do a workout. Are you guys are you guys ready? Because, you know, we're going to lift 35 pounds, you know, every two seconds, you know, basically, it's like a, a deadlift 35 pounds every two seconds for 22 minutes. You guys ready for this? Here we go. And then do a practice race. Honestly, I believe now that I have a relationship with all the cells in my body and I have a relationship, you know, with my brain, with my conscious and my unconscious Mm -hmm. mind. And part of that is because of plunging in the cold water. I I really believe that had something to do with it. But I've also been working on it for a very, very long time. And so now when everything's working in harmony and everything is working for me, I can actually smile and and laugh and enjoy the experience as though I'm now working with my body in harmony and together we're going to be stronger and happier and healthier and more at peace and equanimous. And I really believe that it's at this time in my life that I feel the most present without trying to be present, if you know what I mean. Yeah, um, I the do. Most self-aware, the most self-aware without like, okay, I've got to practice. I've got to do, it's I, almost... I have been meditating for years and years and, you know, all of that. But now I'm at a point where I can just surrender to it and be it instead of trying to do it. Yeah, it's almost like you got a bird's eye view but you're still in it. Yeah. You know, it's that separation. Mm. It's it's like what Scott Carney in his book, um, What Doesn't Kill Us, he talks about the wedge or the whole book, The Wedge, the follow-up to that, where he talks about that separation yeah. between that extreme thing that's happening and then your response to it. And I think that the way that you're talking about your connection to the mind, body, heart, it's like a bird's eye view. It's like you're standing on the outside, but you're fully present. Like you're just and energy. It's like, yeah, and it's like you get that same sensation in ice water 
when I'm sitting in the lake and the current is moving ever so slightly underneath the ice, you know, there's maybe 12 inches of ice all around me and I look across the lake and I'm at duck level, you know, my, mm-hmm. my head is above the water. That's it. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking like, like a duck. And when you're sitting there or in a plunge pool, you know, in an ice bath, there's nothing you can do. <laughs> like there's no, except be um, still and breathe. You, you, <laughs> yes. Your prefrontal cortex is going to shut down completely. And so now you're working with your reptilian brain. You're no longer, you know, thinking about all the thoughts that you would be thinking about all day long and just moving into this absolute present state where your body is one thing. And I personally become really deeply, deeply connected with my soul in that state. And giving yourself the opportunity to experience that through an ice bath, I think is one of the greatest gifts in the world. It is. It gives you for my experience, it's the quietest I ever get to be. Yes. It's the quietest my mind ever is, you know, and and people are like, oh, I don't meditate. I'm not any good at it. And the point is, you're not supposed to be good at it. Meditation is a practice. And it's just about learning to hold space for things that move through and stuff. But when I'm in the ice bath is when I feel the most meditative. I'm in my most meditative state because, like you said, there is no noise there are no thoughts. There isn't anything else going on. And you're in awe. There's an awe that happens. And it's not just the norepinephrine and dopamine dump. It's it's an awe of that feeling, that alive that comes with being in that level of cold. That's like, I am alive. And I have yeah. yet, I have yet, three years of this practice, I have yet to do a nature plunge where it snows. Because again, Phoenix, Arizona. Even though it snows up north, it's not always convenient for me to drive five hours for an ice bath. So my plan this winter definitely is to be in an ice melt, river, creek, lake, wherever it is. But Sue, you have, like you said, you've got layers. You've got feet of ice over your lake. Do you have, do you have to like break through that? Do you have to like dig your own little hole of ice in that lake? Well, the first year I did, I called myself the axe lady and I would would axe, I called it axing the ice and I posted some videos and they were really, really funny because I was in a bathing suit out on a lake in snow um, with an axe in my hand, axing a hole in the ice. And, Uh um, but it became really, really difficult the the ice would freeze over overnight and um i'd have you know three or four inches of ice to break the next day and it and that's very hard to do yeah very very hard to do and and also depending on the weather and you know i guess i i could put more clothes on but for me it didn't really matter i mean i've adapted i don't wear pants anymore in the winter i only wear really a skirt or shorts Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and i don't even really wear a coat or anything like that i've adapted so well to to the cold and to the hot but what i did was i got myself a bubbler and what it is is i have a compressor that is up on the land in a box and it basically just pushes air through a pipe and the pipe has a weight on it, and it's weighted. It sits on the bottom of the lake, and it's not too late. It's not too deep where I am. Like when I have an ice hole, you you can sit on your bum, and it goes up to your shoulders, mm-hmm. or maybe yeah. you know somebody taller than me could could do that as well. And um, at the end of the pipe that goes out, there's a, another piece that has little tiny holes in it, and then it's blocked at the end. So the compressor pushes air through this pipe and out the holes basically what happens then is the water water at its densest level is four degrees celsius um so what's what's that for eight 20 30 i think it's 36 degrees no must yeah 36 something like that Mm -hmm. anyway um so water is its densest so what happens is it won't freeze when it's at the bottom so what you do is you just push the the water from the bottom the warm water up to the surface and it will not freeze because you're circulating so now it. we you're constantly moving it yeah 
And so what happens is the, the temperature of the water could go down to zero uh, or just above zero and not freeze. And so in the wintertime, the hole can be small or I can make uh, like a spiral kind of with the hose with the holes in it. And then I can open up the circle and make a, quite a large hole as well so that if I have experienced people, I'll do a group plunge, but I would never do that with somebody new. But yeah, if there's experienced people who have been done it in the lake before, then, you know, depending on their experience level, I'll let them do a group plunge with me. And uh, yeah, but there is something very, very unique about sitting in a lake. Yeah, then it's the nature. The lake. <laughs> yeah, it's the nature. And and that's, I think that's yeah. what I'm craving. I love my forge. I love being able to take a nice bath yeah. whenever I want. There is something about doing it when when you feel the rocks beneath you and you can smell the trees and there's nothing else around and you hear that rushing water. And then there's also something too about that moving water because as long as there's slight movement in the water, you're not getting that like milli-degree of warmth that like surrounds the body by being still. And so... Yeah, yeah, I'm. I can't wait. I'm definitely going to do that this winter. It is a personal goal of mine to do that this winter. Well, you're always welcome to come up here if you ah, can get across the border. And all right. Yeah. Just, just let me know because be happy to to have you experience that here. It's, Thank it's you. Really incredible. Yeah, and I would just, yeah. I would just love to meet you in person and walk around in your forest a little bit barefoot and. <laughs> you know, see this beautiful cabin town. And, and it sounds to me like you've got it dialed in, Sue. Are there, are there any times when you wake up and you're just like, nah, like, nah, forget about it. Just life, the whole mess. Yeah, I think with the Wim Hof method, one of the lessons that I learned early on and that I teach always is never force. So it's okay if I wake up and I say to myself, I don't think I'm going to do a plunge today. Well, right now I'm, I'm swimming. I'm doing wild swimming. So I swim for about eight minutes every day. And then, but yesterday I only swam for five minutes and I came back, you know, to the dock and thought, Hmm, that was five, five minutes and 40 seconds. That's enough. Yeah. You know, I don't want to make it, you know, competitive and I'm naturally a competitive person. I did sports all my life. And, well, you know, I rode, like, at a very high competitive level. But I've learned now that if I feel like I'm forcing, I just pull back and say, no, 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 no. Because I never, ever want this to feel like work or feel like I um, I don't want to guilt myself about not doing it or, you know, oh, are you being lazy or having all those conversations. They're all gone. Right. Now it's just the pure love. And I think just to go back to the barefooting as well, is the barefooting taught me to do it because I love it and not to do it to get something from it. You know, initially I wanted to get something from it and then I just let go of all of that because Mother Nature takes over and she just says, oh no, come here, come here. I'm going to love you. I'm going to just love you. So come on out to the forest and the cold water does the same thing. Whether you're in a, I have a plunge pool as well. Whether you're in a plunge pool or you're in the lake, the water's saying, come on, come on, come on here. I got it. I got something to show yeah, you. I'm going to show you something about if yourself. You're, that, you know. Yeah. If you're not doing it for the joy, then why are you doing it? This is something that my yeah. husband actually said to me recently. There was something I was trudging through and I, I don't remember off the top of my head what it was, but he's like, well, why are, you don't have any joy? And I was like, well, I don't want to do this. And he said, then why are you doing it? If you, yeah. Whatever it yeah. is in your life, if you're not doing it with joy, why are you doing it? And if you have to do it and you can't do it with joy, find a way to change it. That's what we get yeah. to do. Yeah. Yeah. And nature will help you find a way to change it without a lot of effort. Uh, That's true. Nature will just show you the way because one day, you know, I know winter's coming. We had a tiny bit of snow today. I got so excited and I just can't wait, you know, for the the lake to freeze. And I know that it's going to freeze and there's going to be the day where the wind is howling and it's too, it's just 
too cold for me that day. Like I'm just not up to, Mm -hmm. you know, being in that kind of cold. And I know that day is going to come and I'll be perfectly fine with it. Yeah. I'll just say thank you. Yeah. I can appreciate <laughs> warmth too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I like being warm. Yeah. I've got the heat on right now. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, I wear sweaters because they're cozy. Like I want to feel cozy. And if I take it off, I'm burning underneath. But I'm like, it feels so cozy. I'm looking at the temperature outside yeah. and it says sweater weather. So I want to feel cozy. <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah. Sue, I well, go ahead, please. Yeah, share. Yeah. No, I was just gonna say that when you said feel, it is all about feeling. Yeah. You know, in the ice bath, it's it's you can't think; you can only feel. When we're when I'm barefooting, I always say to people, never ever use the word pain. Never think of if you step on something that's sharp that it's painful. It's only a sensation that is being sent to your brain. And let your brain receive the sensation and learn to understand it and live life without fear. I say that in the cold, too. And and it's at the most, it's discomfort. And we can deal with discomfort. We get to be uncomfortable. That is allowed. That is necessary for growth. So I'm the same way. I don't ever refer to anything in the ice bath as pain. And when people do like, oh, you know, the pain in my fingertips is like, that's not pain. That's tingling. Yeah. Tingling is different. That's discomfort. You may not like it, but it's yeah. not pain. That's not what pain is. I'll show you what pain is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's it. Well, Sue, well, what I. A yeah. To talk to you. Thank We're you. Thank you so experience. much. I agree. And it was a pleasure just getting to know you a little bit. And I look forward to sharing uh, your journey. And I know one day I'm going to get to read this book and get to know you on a deeper level and I'm looking forward to that as well and Sue will you repeat your Instagram and your TikTok handles for our listeners oh sure yes my TikTok is uh, barefoot Sue Um, and I mean I just I went viral on TikTok and it was a complete surprise and basically I walked on the ice and the ice broke and it was only about eight inches deep but they freaked out and um I watched it it more than once (laughs) yeah I did I was thrilled when you discovered TikTok (laughs) (laughs) there's like 9.5 million views on that one video um but yeah I wanted to teach uh teach that market just a little bit about you know, about nature yeah um, and my instagram my instagram is camino sue um and uh yeah and i have a website too suekennedy.ca or .com actually both will work so and that's um, thank sue you kennedy so k-e-n-n-e-d-y no it's k-e-n-n-y oh sorry okay. k-e-n-n-e-y yeah it's mm-hmm. kenny okay sue kenny perfect Sue Kenny. All right, you guys, now you know where to find Sue to get a little bit more of this barefoot love and experiences in the ice. I thank you so much for coming on today, Sue. This was truly a pleasure. Uh, Thank you. It was my pleasure as well. And keep being cool. Thanks. Thank you for taking the time to come along this journey of exploration with us today. You can follow us to learn more at www.moroscoforge.com where we publish journal articles on all of your favorite deliberate cold exposure questions. You can also find us on Instagram, at Marotsko Forge, and you can hear new episodes of the Marotsko Method everywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. Don't forget to subscribe. And remember, when you can learn to master your breath through the cold, you can learn to master your mind through your life.